transfer manufacturing is a science. So everything is designed to go down at a very accurate temperature. So if you can control that, you can control everything. So we hear it all the time, like, nah, I'll do it for this, or I'll go higher and uh, take a few seconds off. Oh, dear. Squeegeeing Podcast, Season 2. This podcast is sponsored by Blind Maggot, Magna Colors, Screen Print World, Styles, and Adobe Creative Suite. Hi, I'm Andy from Stars UK. I look after marketing and take the lead on education here, which is something we're very passionate about for garment decorating and in particular heat printing. So we are part of the Stars group, which is the leading supplier of heat transfers, heat presses and heat transfer vinyl worldwide. And my name is Molly, also from Stars UK, obviously. Um, and a big part of my job role here is education, as Andy said, but via sort of video. Um, so everything that you see on like our YouTube channel, our podcasts, our lives, um, that's sort of my area, my baby that I look after. So yeah, a lot of stuff that everyone sees education-wise uh, tends to be, I mean, what our customers send in and need help with and also what we think can help grow their business as well. Yeah, so I think... Andy, I think we just need to know why the the shift in the name straight away, because yeah. I'll, I'll just keep on accidentally calling you Target. That's, and I think I'm a... even saying stalls wrong. I'm saying stalls instead of stalls. <laughs> oh, right. yeah, when I first joined the company, I couldn't figure out how to pronounce it at first, Andy, <laughs> correcting me. <laughs> yeah, so anyone that's not familiar with us, we are mostly known as Target Transfers, and Target Transfers has been in existence for about, 43 years something like that on the same site in Braintree in Essex manufacturing heat transfers um but in about two year 2000 we got acquired by the styles group at that point the person who owned target transfers was retiring and they were looking to sell up but they wanted to make sure that everyone who worked here could still have a job and there's actually many people that were there then are still here um, I just wanted to make sure that their legacy was continued and dedicated to helping heat transfer printers in the UK carry on. So we've actually been part of Styles for a very long time, um, but it's only really the last couple of years we've started to really align on what we do and the product offerings in particular. So the thing we, we're always conscious of is we don't want to be with Styles and they're like, well, can I have this then? And we're like, well, no, but we're still Styles. Um, but because so much of our heat transfer manufacturing processes have been aligned now, it just seemed like the right time. The Stars brand name has always been so strong anyway for heat printers in particular. Um, so it just made sense that now is a good time to do it. We're aligning many things that will come up over the next 6, 12, 18 months as well that we're not allowed to talk about yet. But everything is very much being aligned, especially with transfers, heat transfer vinyl, and making sure that the Styles offering is on every single continent the same way. So it's just a good time to do it. So we're just, right, that's it. We put a, draw a line in the sand, switch the brand up. Um, so now all the websites are styles.co.uk, custom.styles.co.uk. So anything you need, just search, search for Styles. Any, most people search for Styles anyway, and they find yeah. us. Um, but normally, normally, it's always a bit awkward. Like, well, yeah, we are the UK home of Styles. Um, well, with the UK division, but it kind of makes it sound like a reseller, if that makes mm, sense. Yeah. Oh, so are you, are you Styles then? We're like, well, yes. So well, actually, if we just call ourselves Styles, it kind of takes out that question out of the way, it gives people confidence when they're buying. So yeah, it's just Styles now, Styles UK. And you get new T-shirts and merch and stuff now. And yeah, obviously. I mean, business cards. Oh, and... <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, we got... We've got rebranding of everything, I think, that we do. I've got mine on. Yeah. Oh, no, you've, I'm, you're unbranded on a garden <laughs> decorated podcast. No, sorry, guys, uh, sorry. I, I noticed it the other day because I was trying to tag you in something and I was like, target, target. Am I being yeah. stupid? Why is target not coming out? I had yeah. to look in my messages and then like go back from there. And I was like, oh, okay. That was... But the transition seemed super easy from our perspective were there any like hiccups and trying to transfer everything over or have you was it pretty um, simple honestly it was pretty straightforward but that's mostly because we spent a lot of time planning this so it's been something we've been working on for a couple of months hmm. so that when it came to the day of we knew that we knew exactly what we needed to do the most difficult thing was probably actually getting the name legally changed so we've actually we have legally changed our name but there's hmm. No, it's quite simple as well. I just pick whatever you want. So something for anyone out there that's thinking of becoming a limited company or changing their limited name, it's not quite straightforward of 
I just want this one because if it's too close to something else, yeah, then you have to be a bit careful. Um, so ours is technically Styles UK Europe Limited, um, rather than just Styles Lim- Limited. It wasn't that's the that was probably the trickiest thing. I mean, in all honesty, um, we have a great IT department and a great um accounting department that does a lot of the harder stuff but for us it's just so me and molly's case we need to change the branding we need to change logo uh we, we, can, we, can, cake we can yeah we can yeah. let's see the cake yeah molly oh did bring God, a cake, cake. <laughs> yeah. yeah we had a very good um cake. but if you plan if you plan correctly it's quite straightforward but mm. you just like if you only give yourself a week it would have been a disaster for sure yeah so yeah and i think what you guys have done in the last few years with the podcast and just this huge emphasis on showing up regularly on social media has just been, it just looks very cohesive and I think it elevates your your brand over other competitors. Mm-hmm. Like today I even just opened up Sign Link magazine, which I yeah. don't even know why I'm subscribed to that. But <laughs> it's like, like when I did signs years ago and you're in there, look, you're in there. Yeah, that's with it. Your podcast. Yeah. I'm branded so, in that one. <laughs> yeah, you are branded in that one. So really target transfers does like transcend out of just the garment decoration it goes into signage and it like dips into quite a few different areas doesn't it yeah yeah i think the the thing is with a lot of these sort of adjacent industries is it's very heat printing is quite a simple skill to pick up if you follow Mm. structure you can follow instructions you can do it so if you're already doing things like wide format printing or you have a large cutter it's just a case of get a heat press next to the the cutting machine and away you go it's really yeah. not too complicated um but you know sometimes the hardest skill probably i mean you probably you at squid you probably know as well as anyone's actually the artwork is probably one of the hardest yeah. things for people to learn i would say above all else whether it's artworking for the screens or for dtg machines or embroidery is what that's way harder than um learning how to program a heat press to go for 10 seconds yeah. So sure. if you can figure that stuff out, you can add extra revenue streams into your business with a heat press. Yeah. I I do think seeing from the kind of jobs that I'm seeing go through and even like walking into shops and looking at the actual prints, that the artworking is the thing that's letting people down because mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of these websites where you could just upload an image and then the company just takes it on. And there doesn't seem to be this like, okay, I'm going to completely redraw your image to make it really nicely printable. There seems to just be like, there's just slapping it on a few times, um, which is kind of, you know, letting down these amazing techniques that, you know, could have a little bit more effort done with the artworking side. Um, I have to push people over to get stuff made into vectors constantly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. How, How do you kind of sift through, like when, when people are uploading, transfers to the target transfers i mean stalls uk <laughs> yeah. website how does that kind of software detect oh guys this isn't this isn't good enough resolution or i don't think this is going to print well are you kind of sifting some of those out your end yeah so some of the background software can check dpi quite easily so if someone was to go and order heat transfers and they upload an image and it's less than 300 dpi it immediately flags to the customer to be like, mm. this is going to be a problem. We'll print it for you if you order it. But mm. if it's not what you expect, it's on you because yeah. you know, we don't want people to make mistakes. So there's a flag for that. There's a flag for um, if someone puts their artwork over the edge of the artboard, we flag that because obviously you don't want it to be cut off. So we try and flag as much stuff before it even gets to the studio. Yeah. And then once it gets to the studio, we have a very vigilant team there that are checking everything to be make sure it's artwork ready or, you know, checking for white boxes being left behind designs. Yeah. All that's good stuff that um, we kind of take for granted as printers, but, you know, not everyone, it's not the most straightforward thing to try and, or something that just looks wrong, we'll normally flag it. Because we turn around, turn around our transfer so quickly, mm. it means that we could ask a question at 9am, get an answer by 10, and it hasn't affected the turnaround time. Yeah. Because uh, we don't want people to make mistakes because otherwise they'll, they'll lose money or they won't come back. Yeah. That turnaround time, I tested that recently. I think I had to, I had just some ridiculous order come in, and I was literally messaging Molly saying, "Can you look after this one for me?" And she's like, "Oh, it's already, it's already in the system. It's already being printed." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." I thought I'd have to like bribe her with something, but yeah, it just went through. 
I had trouble um, finding it because Chessie asked me about it and then I went to look for it on like the, the recently ordered and because yeah. it was already in production at that point. And I thought, yeah. where is this order? Oh, it's already done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank God. Um, but I've actually just, most of the orders that I get asked about and I can't do myself, they become DTF or ultra kind of orders. But today mm-hmm. I actually got uh, one that someone was doing with cut vinyl and then they they just basically got sick of it because they were doing hundreds. And <laughs> so then that's become a screen print job. But yeah. I'm finding that's becoming less and less. So they hit 2000 and that was their cutoff of there's no way I can keep cutting this vinyl. But you must be At seeing 2, a few. Mm. That's a lot. Yeah, we, I would have given up way before that yeah, point. We normally advise people like it's 10. Anything, <laughs> anything, anything above 10 or 20, unless it's like a really simple design, like a one cavity design like at that anything after that point you're going to start losing money on the job because you're going to if you spend five minutes picking out bits of vinyl every single one that could be you know that's pounds that you're losing on that job yeah. from manpower yeah. that's just not best use your time <laughs> uh, so there's so many people yeah as soon as we say there's no weeding involved they're like yes thank you <laughs> thank god uh, yeah so that's the, okay so for weeding vinyl no less than 10 because of your own sanity and cost and then from ultra colors to screen print what would you say like the cutoff financially is to just move on to a screen printer yeah it's really it's really colors for us so we say that because we have the ultra color which is a full color what we call we call it digital hybrid but essentially it's digital screen tech Uh, and then we have a a very traditional screen printed heat transfer so we tend to say if it's one one to three colors, go screen printed heat transfer. Anything above three colors, it's much uh, better value to go ultra color because that's unlimited colors and gradients as well. But even if it's just like block color stuff, above three colors, I'd switch to ultra color anyway because the price points are much more attractive that way. Yeah. And then basically just sampling is the ultra color max giant sheet. Is that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, minimum order of one on that one. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then I never really hear you guys talk about screen printing, but you do it all the time in the back end there somewhere. I'd love to see the screen print department, but yeah, like, well, it, it, I guess um, in in a, the simplest terms, it's it's like yours would do screen printing, but we have a very it goes onto paper. That's the the simple answer. I mean, there's a lot of very clever stuff that goes in with that, but basically put it onto paper so that you can print on demand with it, mm. um, and that's that's what we've been doing for the whole time that Target's been here, forty something years. Um, it's a very tried and true product, but you know, one one to two color stuff, and that can that's good for like um, the metallics tend to look better on a screen printed heat transfer. Oh, right. mm. um, likewise with the yeah, we have a special house mix of fluorescent colors as well, which can look really good there too. Because um, you can right. you can Pantone match um, if it's just a traditional screen transfer as opposed to digital, which you can get pretty much ninety nine percent, but not one hundred percent yet. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Like, how are you getting your metallics and stuff? That's really, really interesting, actually. Um, yeah. And then I think just recently it's kind of gone off in a light bulb that the absolute best way to use the ultra colors is for leaveless hoodies. And you obviously get that constantly. Is that right? Or do you still put them to screen prints? I used to put them still to green. Um, yeah, because most of them tend to be one color. Like there's they're white, red, or black, like 99 times out of 100. Mm. Um, but I would say that we are encouraging people to think a little bit more uh, outside the box when it comes to leader stuff because just because it's always been one color, why should it be one color? Yeah, it's like you can see from trends and you know the, the fashion out there that people don't just want one color stuff. I mean, look at the, the amazing stuff that you do with Blind Maggot, is that you know it's it's multicolor, Nuts. it's many colors. And you know you want you want people so it's encouraging the people that are making stuff at schools. Why don't you ask them if they want something? What do you think the actual kids wearing this one? Mm, mm. And they probably want something multicolor. They might want to any kind. You could because you could just take the same artwork and just put any color into it. You can put a fade into it or put some toner work in, and that way it's a bit more unique. That way, okay, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, no. you done. I was just going to say, I think the biggest thing is that as much like Andy said, majority of the stuff that goes through is one colour, but I think it's more so to do with the fact that the people who are buying the Libras transfers, aka the schools, don't necessarily think that there's another option out there. So like Andy said, we try and encourage the heat printers to take full colour options to them and say, 
you know, this is an option. Think about it. Even if it's not this year, it might be next year or the year after. But like you say, with DTF, you can offer, like make one or two up and take them with you as examples um, and physically show them what's on offer because it's very unlikely that a school is going to come to you and go, this year I want zebra multicolor print yeah. on this design. But if you show them what's physically possible, because that sounds really tacky when you yeah. say it out loud. But some <laughs> of the yeah. our studio team came up with were incredible. Yeah, for sure. Like even if the school was randomly called... I don't know, something to do with the horses was their mascot and then they wanted some kind of, you know, <laughs> crazy design to go along with yeah. that or if they wanted the horse in full colour or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, those limitations are completely disappearing, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Something that I've noticed uh, marketing-wise that I think is a little gem that I think lots of people who are maybe your customers could do is um, – I basically recently started up a Instagram group just for small independents in my town. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's gone quite well. So there's lots okay. of small independent businesses that have joined. Like we've got about 800 followers just in a few weeks. And, but I think doing your podcast, but aiming it at people in your local area as the, as the heat printer mm-hmm. or the screen printer, yeah. It's just a little goldmine because they're the people who are putting in the orders, these small um, independent business owners. So if they kind of like took the lead from you guys and like what we're doing and did a podcast around small businesses in their area and just interviewed all the little businesses, I think that would be mega leads and stuff coming through that way. So, yeah, I don't know. Have you seen anything where you feel like your customers could do outreach to get more customers, not you to them, but what they could do to their customers to grow their sales. I I think for me, one of my biggest things I would love to see people do, and it's it's kind of a UK specific thing because we see it in the US a lot with American customers already doing this, but it's actually being a bit bolder about storytelling about your business. Mm, so yeah. many people that I get to, when we get to speak to people at shows or they come in here and they tell a story about their business or why they get started or what their customer and their niche is. And you're like, well, that's fascinating. I'd love to hear more about that. But they, I think because they, people will kind of maybe family and friends get sick of listening to them <laughs> that they no longer think it's interesting because no one wants to hear it anymore, but really like everyone else, their customers will want to hear it. Mm. Um, but it's not just a case of writing it down and putting it on a about me page on the website. They need to be putting themselves out. They're getting out of their own way and talking about this the whole time because mm. people want to engage with that stuff. You know, like the local businesses you've got with that Instagram, they may want to be part of a community. Mm. And I think people want to be part of very specific communities now. It's yeah. not just a case of I'm interested in a broad subject. I'm to know, really narrow down and find the people that just like me. Yeah, um, but I think you know anything you can do to create a connection with people. We yeah. talk about it all the time in terms of how we want to market. Is that you know how often are we making eye contact with the camera and actually talking to people? Because it's important to uh, build that connection because I think it helps people to understand you and they can you know people are looking to find what's wrong with this. This sounds too good to be true. Mm. So if you can kind of be a bit more honest and a bit more upfront, and they start to get a sense of you and the team at your business, then they start to trust you. But actually, I think, yeah, I've seen them do that a million times now. So they're, they're probably not lying about it or give them a chance. Because people yeah. are suspicious. Um, that's their nature. But I think anything you can do to put yourself out there, I mean, neither of us were, you know, a couple of years ago when we started to really push this stuff, neither of us wanted to be in front of the camera. Um, but you realise that no one else is going to do it for heat printing in the UK. So yeah, we just got to, suck it up and get on with it basically and make those mistakes and learn from them and do better versions of this but weirdly yeah. though i can't imagine not doing it now like it's yeah. become such a big part of what we do here at styles mm. that i can't imagine what my job role would look like without it yeah which is really bizarre um and touching on obviously what you said about what businesses can do more from like a localization point of view um i think one of the biggest things that we've spoken about on many a podcast episodes before but as well as you know, telling your brand story and making those connections. I think something that more businesses could do is just simply like go around your local area and knock on businesses' doors and take 
like I said with the levers, take examples of the work that you could possibly print, introduce yourself, have a conversation, show them what you can do. Because even if, you know, they might turn around and say, oh, yeah, I've been needing more word T-shirts. How much do you charge? Or they might, you know, keep you in the back of their mind for two, three, 12 months down the line when they do need something. But something that we've spoken about many a times before is how many businesses are on your doorstep that you don't realize are there or that might mm. need custom apparel that you might not have thought they did. Um, so just making those connections, like getting to know them personally and just opening the door, I guess, really is around what's in your local area because there's probably more than you think. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd agree. There's, there's not, I don't think I know any of our customers that aren't, who are successful that don't have at least a, a strong core element of local business to lean on as part of their, you know, their main revenue stream. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like I've actually said this recently to the group that we started. I said, guys, there's a huge opportunity here for someone who wants to start with transfers, taking all these customers, like <laughs> the ones that I can't take anymore. So there's there's absolutely tons of them and I'm just pushing them on to other people. And it feels like bad sometimes. And um yeah, uh there's there's a huge, huge um amount of money flying around that could be captured because people then just go oh sorry it's too difficult i don't want to trust an online business quite yet they want someone mm-hmm. who's local um yeah. but one customer who you've had on i've had on we know is um darren from squeezed orange and he's yeah. done it really well because anyone who says anything to do with cars or that kind of industry i'm like oh you need darren from squeezed orange and they're yeah. like squeezed orange i'm like yes yes it's, it's a weird <laughs> name but um but he's done really well with your transfers as well so how does he use the service for what he does i mean i guess it's that's probably i guess it's more for darren to say without wanting to reveal his secrets but i think his advantage darren darren is also based in essex so it means yeah. that if he needs something quickly or he needs an emergency thing from us, he knows he can come and pick it up if he needs to. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's all about really it's understanding what you're good at, which and which jobs to take on. Like say it's like there's stuff there's some stuff you like, well actually the power of saying no is really important because it's either I haven't got time for this job at the moment or it's not part of my core business that I'm trying to build here. So for him, I'm sure for him, it's a case of sometimes it's transfers, sometimes it's screen printing, depending on the volume, mm. the, the particulars of the design. Turnaround time is probably the main indicator. Um, I know he's quite good at saying no to people and um, managing expectations when it comes to how long this job's going to take. And if yeah. you want it tomorrow, it's not going to happen because you can't, you can't always do that at a quality level. Yes. So yeah. the main thing really is for anyone that's thinking of, transfers or building transfers into screen printing is just a it always comes down to your sort of your performance indicators how long does a job take one of the things mm-hmm. we always talk to, to our customers about is how, do you know how long it takes to heat press a t-shirt or do you know how long it takes every time a t-shirt goes on the carousel because if you don't know that then you're you're going to be screwed at some point you've yeah. got to be like okay if i time these two jobs together which one's going to be quicker? Because the quality's, if you're good at what you do, the quality's going to be there as you buy. Mm-hmm. So it's a case of, okay, if a job comes in, you should be able to identify quickly, that's a transfer job or that's a screen printing job. Yeah. Um, probably based on colours, I would imagine, for the most part. But that's that's important to make sure you have an understanding of how long it takes so you can always pick the right option because, you know, turnaround time for us is always good. So we can get even the larger orders at, take get back in a couple of days or yeah you know if you're like darren come and pick it up and sometimes i've seen him here two or three times a day because he's just going and going and going um but he's got you know you've got to get those jobs out yeah he's a he's a really good example because he uses embroidery screen print and some transfers in like yeah in you can see it across like quite a lot of his feed so he's he's a yeah. good person for people to follow you just said something that reminded me of a piece of kit, and I don't think it's from Stoles, but Styles, but um, it's that revolving carousel heat press. What do you okay. think about that? And do you think you're going to have a version of that in the collection in the next few years, or not? Or isn't it? There's there's no plans for that. Um... Really, you didn't you didn't you want one over by it going turning around and don't see the no, advantage. I uh, think that. The to be honest with you, because we have the dual the dual air fusion, which is yeah. the so that's got two workstations. Is that 
it's only so fast a human being could work anyway. <laughs> um, but it also comes down to uh, we pride ourselves on bit of the kind of the build quality mm. in terms of maintaining temperature. Every single press is that if that was the most efficient way to do it, and it could be you can maintain the quality level, we'd already have we would have it already. Okay. Um, I mean, I know that there's some very exciting things coming out soon uh, around the Optronics new developments we've got. We've got nothing we can talk about yet. Hopefully, <laughs> in a couple of weeks, if not early next year, there's some really cool things that we've got planned to take things to the next level of efficiency. Mm-mm. But now there's no no um, no plans for a carousel one. And to be honest, I think probably as well the footprint of it is probably not ideal. For most of our customers, most of our customers, even the bigger ones, be like, I'd rather have twenty dual left fusions lined up in a row or yeah. back to back. Um, well, who doesn't want twenty dual left fusions? That's nuts. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It's, we've got we've got a few like that, and they they literally take twenty at a time because wow. they've got so much work going through, um, and it's just so it's it's so efficient. Every single part of it is built mm. for precision, like the tiniest little details about it. Um, and so many of those things like our styles developments, even the digital digital controllers on heat presses is styles. What we call threadability, which is the big the biggest um one, again, is something that styles had patented and uh revolutionized. So and if it was a good idea, you'd see these styles carousel heat press already. Yeah. Okay. And talking about like little things that you can do to like make a really quite a big improvement for your money i think is that slip mat thing on the bottom of the press the quick slip because if you take if if people don't know what that is is it's like basically a teflon cover for the bottom so that you're not dragging the t-shirt over um i think that's brilliant because i had to heat press like 200 hoodies recently and that just instead of taking them off you just kind of like half do it and then turn it around put it back on again yeah. Do you advise putting those quick slips on the over the top heater as well on on say like a a normal press that doesn't have like two heated fans? Um, we do do them. We do do them. Is it once say it's as as an essential? Is the bottom one is definitely the number one pick. That's definitely essential. Mm. The top ones are more really for like DTG. Um, people when you it's more for the curing more yeah. above more than anything Protective else layer, isn't it? yeah just because you don't want to get any ink and gunk going up into the into the top area and having to clean it all the time mm. as well where you could you've got a top cover you can just take it off and wipe it down and then yeah. it's good for the next day um we tend to advise going most transfers you just need a, a release paper which is like a, a, a just a uncoated paper that we sell that you just place on top of the transfer that's mostly to stop any uh, early release on cold peel transfers. But no, it's not essential. If you're doing, um, if you're following the instructions right, you don't always, you don't need it all the time. That's interesting what you just said. So early release on cold peels. So that's when the press is coming up with quite a little bit of force and maybe yeah. it's pushing down and pulling the transfer off prematurely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's clever. Um, what do you see people do to mess up their transfers quite a lot when they're not following the instructions? Like, are you seeing people not do pre-press more or mm-hmm. are they like doing something in their head that makes sense, like pressing it and then pressing it again just to make sure? Like, are they doing anything like that? Yeah, I mean, all, all of the above. So many things that we see on a weekly basis that you just sort of bang your head against a wall because of not because people are doing things wrong, even though technically they are, but it's more just the time they're wasting. Like it's frustrating for us to see because you know we've done calculations before where we can save people like fifty-five working days a year if they just follow two or three simple efficiency hacks. And hmm. to just like know that amount of time that businesses can save, it's 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 just frustrating when they're not doing it. I guess is hmm. my personal. Okay. on it um but yeah there's so many things the threadability that andy mentioned is a big one people that don't split the garment they put both layers on the press. yeah i've seen that i've seen yeah. it when they put the hood in even so they're basically squashing a hood imprint yeah and you're yeah. like oh that's so ugly Squishing the whole thing you get like press yeah. marks through with the back of the seam onto the front or the front to the back i should say 
Um, the second press is a big one that you've just mentioned. We've spoken about this a lot recently and it is just a big time waster. You don't need to be second pressing transfers. If they're a decent enough quality transfer like ultra colour or screen print, they don't need to be pressed again. I think quite a lot of that comes from either people's fear that the transfer is mm. not going to stick, which is just ridiculous, or maybe it's a habit that's been passed down from a previous owner or somebody yeah. that they know is doing it similarly and they think oh that's just always the way it's been done and they don't question it and then when they hear someone say you don't need to be doing that they're like oh okay um, <laughs> so yeah I think I think that's a big one pre-pressing again is another big one and I think that's a really important one because we talk about pre-pressing to obviously smooth out any wrinkles in the garment, remove moisture, check pressure, etc. Um, but if you don't pre-press a transfer, it will still stick to the garment perfectly fine. But it might be that it comes off a little bit further down the line, especially with the pressure element and the, you know, the moisture and stuff mm. like that. Um, and that's not necessarily something that your customers will tell you. If it comes off in 10, 20, 30 washes, they're probably not going to come back to you and say, oh, I'm having a problem with this T-shirt. They just probably won't ever order again. Mm. So that's something we really try and get into people's minds that, you know, it's the quality and the longevity of the product you're providing, not just, I will save a quick five seconds here. Like we're all about efficiency, don't get me wrong, but yeah, making sure you can produce a product that, you know, is going to guarantee you return customers really. Yeah. Are you seeing any of these new fabrics that are raising problems? Because we've had it in screen print where they might add a silicone treatment to the garment and then you just cannot cure it or anything like that that you're hitting up against recently with new fabrics. Um, Not loads. I mean, for us, it's quite easy because most of our transfers are low temperature. So the biggest issue that a lot of printers have is around scorch marks, probably. Mm. where and that's because fabric is wanting to react at certain you know, if it at certain temperature it's normally about 130 140 degrees if it's got polyester because there's lots of products where they want to have that tri-blend or it's a two-blend of fabric and you're like well it feels like cotton but really it's like 50 percent polyester or rayon or something in there that yeah. actually is heat sensitive and then that makes the whole garment heat sensitive as a result so we see a few people struggle with that because they're not testing things properly or they're not paying attention to how the fabric's changing i mean there's, there's easy ways around it it's just a case of pay attention and um check after the first one that's something that i would say in terms of people making mistakes is you make a mistake on the first one and then just keep doing it for the whole job and then 100 yeah. t-shirts later you're like well i've got 100 t-shirts i can't use and oh why did you do that for? <laughs> you know, it'd be like you screen printing the wrong color on something. You'd be like, well, I thought it might change color after the first few. <laughs> it just doesn't I know. Happen. You guys must hear so much stuff. Um, when So when people screen print something, there is this kind of like misconception that they can test if it's cured by like stretching it. But that's actually <laughs> yeah. just showing that it's flexible because you, you've basically turned yeah. it into a... Yeah, so... But the only way to test a cure in screen print is to put it through a wash like are you advising people if it's a completely random product that they've never done before how do you get them to tell whether it has set because it's not cured is it yeah. it's just set but maybe the yeah. screen print element set uh cured are you saying yeah. wash or flex or i would say leave it a day i mean we, we rec always recommend if you're putting transfers onto something you should leave 24 or 48 hours before washing it anyway yeah because transfers or vinyl i think most decorated processes really even though they're still kind of always they're getting to know the fabric and they're settling in after that point there's no it's not it's never going to come off but at that point you're st it's still kind of working its way in so i'd say leave it one day because again if it's it's mostly heavily dyed garments that are an issue mm. so any dye migration you want you're probably going to find out the next day yeah. So leave it, leave it a day, come back and see what's happened there. Uh, and then chances are it's going to come off in the first wash or two if it's going to be a problem fabric. So at that point, you know, very early on, especially if it's like, say, if it's something that's new, you should always do this test to start off with because the transfers are good. We have a we have an industrial wash testing machine in-house. So our transfers are, we have a, a system where every week we pick random transfers, choose one to a T-shirt or you know, hard to use fabrics and then wash test them to make sure that they're always at this very high standard. So we know that our transfers will last, mm. um, but we can't test on every single fabric. And sometimes I think that there is a little bit of an element of um, blank garments being produced without enough testing before they get to the market mm. and then trying to 
workarounds after that point, which isn't ideal. Um, thankfully, we have many workarounds, but it'd be much more straightforward if you could just print on the first time and a you know, customer doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah. So sure. I would say, yeah, there's always, there's, but I would say you wash, you know, wash off the first one. That way you'll, you'll know exactly what you're working with. I'd also okay. recommend as well on the testing front with the wash quality, something we did recently was um, we did quite a lot of testing on things like leggings and like polyester garments and things for the athleisure videos that we've been creating. Um, and something that Andy and I did was we just did three or four different variations of application with the same transfer and different products. So we yeah. use like um, normal heat press, normal release paper for one, tested, you know, if it was going to mark, if it was going to come off, if it was going to stick. Um, then we did one with like grip flex, which for those of you that don't know, is like a thicker um, rubber sheet that you use in place of release paper. It just gives a bit more protection. Um, then we used under platen, underneath heat, sorry, with our power platens and just a few different variations. And then we put them all in the wash together and looked at them afterwards rather than doing one wash testing and going, oh, that didn't work. What should we try next? We just did like three or four different mm-hmm. versions and whacked them all in at the same time. And then we were like, oh, that one worked really well. We'll go with that. Mm-hmm. So what what was the outcome of that? Is it the bottom power platen one or what what one that test? It depends on the garments because we we did quite a bit of um a few variations of the yeah products, didn't we? Um, but I would say for for stuff like leggings and much more sensitive, stretchy, shiny fabrics, the power platen with the grip flex was the most successful because it just completely removes any press boxes at all um and obviously ultra color being the low fusing transfer at 120 that just completely took off you know a good 20 to 40 degrees worth of heat that didn't need to be there but you know some of the stuff like the jumpers and that we managed to do on you know our normal presses like the fusion of the auto with the grip flex and yeah there's a few different variations but i mean it's all it's all achievable it's just knowing which method to use and when but that's why we always recommend testing so much yeah um I've noticed in the last year an absolute complete transformation of the printwear promotion and the magazines. They are basically DTF magazines now, and that is a (laughs) DTF show. I'm like, oh, God, it's just coming in like a wave and eating up all the screen printing content like around us. And I get it. I do. I understand. But I still feel like... I don't know whether I'm just like on an island and everyone else has something left me uh, with the screen printing thing, but hopefully there's there's still value in it that DTF... Your thing is now you're getting me all confused, Andy. You're saying like more stuff's coming in in January. I'm like, what, Not... what more are you bringing in? Trying, <laughs> there's always trying, something. Well, trying like, to kill us off. That's what, No, no, no. This is all, all always complimentary. I was saying to... Um, what I was saying to we were discussing before we came on um, is that for me, there's always a time and a place, and but mostly it comes down to quality, and that's why there's there will always be a place for screen printing because, but it's always a place for a good screen printer is the main key element of that. It's the actual person operating machine that is the difference maker. You know, mm. anyone could buy a DTF, anyone could spend thirty grand on a machine. But there's probably about of the people that buy, there probably only about two or three percent of them can actually make a high level product that's not just a promo product. Really? Um, yeah. That's what I would say is that. So I think there's a there's a place for quality garment decorators that can do a good job or can do a great job, and that's mm. kind of where we where we always sit is that you know with our either heat presses or our heat transfers, we know that we're always going to have the best because uh, we have we're part of a large group. But we also invest so much money into R and D and technology to make sure that we are the best. Um, but there's you know there's always going to be a cheap machine that comes out and people think it's amazing. But you know we see we've seen customers that have gone away even in a, within like an eight month turnaround. They spent tens of thousands on the machine and they spend another ten grand on having a room to put the machine in because it doesn't just go in a garage. Mm. And then. Now we start looking at our orders coming through and be like, I recognize that customer. We haven't heard from them for a while. And they're putting director film jobs through our website because Ooh. they're, you know, they're really, you know, it's hard work, you know? Yeah. It's not just a case. It's not like a print and cut machine where you can more or less plug and play. It's, you know, if you buy a DTF machine, you're, you're employing yourself to be a printer from that point onwards. Because you've got to watch it, you've got to learn how powder works, how learn how ink works. Yeah, it's a all sorts of process. yeah, it's it's a it's a new skill set that you have to learn, um, and none of them none of them are plug and play. But yeah, 
people like to try so i think that <laughs> for, for screen printers i know that a lot of your listeners and watchers are screen printers that is that you know the quality of the end product speaks for itself if you put that into someone's hands and they felt really high quality screen print and they'd be like this is amazing mm. i'll have whatever however many of them and they'll keep coming back because quality product but it's when you start um perhaps trying to compete with dtf by you know maybe not paying as much attention or trying to rush that job through and you you know you're getting a thicker finish with the inks and it's not quite as good that's when the problems come but it's actually those that stick to their guns and be like that's fine you can go and get yeah. that done but you'll come we'll be here when you want to come back because you want a better product yeah i hang around i'm such a geek and a spy but i hang around or <laughs> loads of facebook groups and a yeah, few of them oh, yeah. that i'm in now is like the dtf ones and yeah. I just, I'm just, I never interact with them, but I'm just sat there looking at like, they've got all the problems of DTG printers mm-hmm. with all the streaks. So if they've yeah. got the blockheads, but then they've also got the, the white underbase not lining up with the print. And then they've also got the, the, the powder doesn't link up with them. So you have to yeah. get all three right, make it profitable, put out enough to cover the finance on that machine and still make a profit. So I'm just like, yeah. oh, I just send it to Tar- I mean, just start styles and they'll, uh, they'll just, cut that out you must have to produce a lot in-house to make that financially viable per job yeah like i'd like I, to know what the cutoff point was yeah and you know a lot of the numbers that i see people offering it for uh, you know i worry for them because i know that they're not going to be um profitable in the medium or long term with that prices they're just kind of fighting each other on price and you know you don't you know in this industry you know, fighting on price is not the way to go. It's mm. quality is always the most important thing, and and having been able to produce quality consistently is is everything. Yeah, um, but I did hear a screen printer. He, I asked him if your whole if your whole factory just burnt down, then you had the insurance money to buy any equipment you want, and he said he'd buy um, transfers and loads of heat presses. So I was yeah. a, bit, a bit gutted to hear it, but he said that's the kind of jobs that he's getting in because in the sector that he's in, which is mainly like schools and stuff, they that that would um, match him. So yeah, I think it's a case by case, but I know what you mean about the quality. DTF by the meter from your mate who used to do screen printing is probably not the best best no. way to go, is it? No, no. <laughs> so um, I think you probably answered it a bit, but what is your like unpopular opinion about the garment decoration industry that you keep hearing would rather stop hearing about it oh that's a good i mean i think for us it always comes back to following instructions it's the kind of the thing is that like and i guess that's not really unpopular opinion because i guess a lot of a lot of business operators feel the same but it's uh people they think that they know better than the people who manufacture transfer and i'm not don't mean mm. that in an arrogant way but transfer manufacturing is a science so everything is designed to go down at a very accurate temperature. Mm. Uh, so if you can control that, you can control everything. So we hear it all the time, like, nah, I'll do it for this, or I'll I go higher and uh, take a few seconds off. And you think, oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, there's know. a reason that we have a TTP. Yeah, or uh, well, there's like just weird instructions. You see a lot, that's what, a lot with the DTF things. You see some instructions, you think, well, no, that, that's wonderful that, you know, you can do that, but second pressing the products not sure about that um even on some of the more expensive machines out there they're like i was at vespa recently and obviously we're doing our homework and looking around and you look at something like 165 degrees fuse that's not gonna it's not great mm. for 20 seconds thing that's gonna burn most garments at that point yeah. yeah um so i guess it's not really an unpopular opinion because it's you know it's logic but a lot of many a lot or people make very obvious mistakes that could be avoided just by, like Molly said earlier, it's like, well, that's the way I've always done it. Mm. It's like, you know, that's the most annoying thing that anyone can say in any kind of business scenario, really, because it makes no sense. But it's just, you know, people not following the recipe is always the most annoying thing that we hear. Because yeah. you just think, well, you know, and then they won't admit they made a mistake. They won't, they've, so like, okay, we just wasted two hours of each other's time now. We could all have been working in that time, couldn't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, one of the most, one of the videos that I've seen from, I think, I don't know who actually produced it. Maybe it was the actual factory um, 
workaround or something. But they, they took a cheap Chinese eBay press and they ripped mm-hmm. it apart. And then that they got your yeah, one. Oh, yeah, so good. Genuinely, <laughs> just just put that one out over and over on repeat. And yes. then they took your press and they just ripped the heating elements off so you could see. And I had one of those cheap presses because I had to get it overnight for a job like yeah. when I very first started. I think everyone has. And you can just see there's a filament like that and maybe like three little, it's basically like a grill, a really yeah. crap grill. And there's loads of dead spots of heat. And then you do your one and it's like, is it just lots more filament? Yeah, lots and lots of ways, rods, yeah. yeah so is it the way you're yeah. spreading the heat as well? Yeah, so that was that was one of our videos that Josh in the US did. So you can actually see it on our YouTube channel anyway, if you want to see it. But you just search for Hotronics versus Import. But it basically has yeah. so many rods in it. And because they're so close together, there's no chance of the heat getting colder in between them. So it means yeah. that every single wear on the press, it's to the degree accurate. Yeah, that that press cost me so much money because I was um, doing bloody lever studies and then the, <laughs> the bottom right hand corner I even remember I can graphically remember it the bottom right hand corner was just washing off and I was like it yeah. can't you can't just have one corner wash off and I was trying to tell my customer and then I saw <laughs> that video and I was like oh shit that's that was me <laughs> it, and then you're doing the heat gun on the press and you can see yeah. like it goes like five degrees 120 degrees five degrees it's yeah yeah that that's um that's a real really good video for you guys to <laughs> just sell on but I don't tend to like content that brings other things down to bring you up but I yeah. don't think that's that I think it's just yeah. a I think it's a really quite a fair assessment of putting the money into your kit because it's always paying up but um yeah. yeah so um can I ask another question quickly like how many heat presses like say the auto opens do you think one person can manage in a studio before like that's a good question yeah that's a good question um i managed to work four at once before but that was very well timed for a specific <laughs> video that wasn't for practical purposes at all um, <laughs> i would say it's probably was well, two answers i guess if it's just two auto opens side by side probably two at the most to really keep an eye on what you're doing and efficient and it Probably at that point, you're better off just buying one dual air fusion. Yeah. I know it's a bit more money, but the efficiency built into it, by the time you bought stands for them yeah. and extra mm. things, it's probably way more efficient to have two. But one thing that we, and this is something we we're discussing in an event we did last week a lot, is that actually you could easily have an auto open and an auto open 360 hat press yes. side by side. Yeah. So 360 hat press, because the fuse time is, say 40, 30 to 45 seconds for a hat, it's much easier to have a dual workspace with something like that rather than necessarily like say two T-shirt hoodie machines separately. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd still go for the dual at that point because you're starting to get to that price anyway. Yeah. Also another massive thing about that dual one is that you're just pressing two buttons. But if yeah. you're heat pressing for eight hours, you can get like um, knots in your back from doing yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. actually quite painful. <laughs> Like, yeah. my yeah. favorite thing about the jewels has to be the pressure i'm not gonna lie because dual workstations is great the fact that it moves on its own is great but you know it's got tronics we've all seen that before that's not new but the pressure thing for me gets me every time like if i swap out a platen or i put a different garment underneath that's thicker or something along those lines not having to think or manually change the pressure it just does it perfectly for you that mm. is a game changer like the amount of times we you know when we film videos we're fusing on three four five different garment types at a time so you're constantly swapping out platens and stuff and you have to check the pressure change it adjust it a bit to get it perfect every time but on the jewel like mm. absolutely nothing but how does it do that how does it detect the pressure is it is it literally sensors and sensing how far away it is from the bottom plan or something or yeah that's it it's got so much technology built into it that it comes down when it as it's coming down it can feel the the um surface area to know how much force it needs that's the biggest thing is changing between platen sizes is they're not not just obviously breaking it but by having it air powered it's got a lot more control and a lot better feel for it and just a lot of time spent into research and development to get it right okay and then is that that's the one that you need um an air compressor for is that a must yeah. have an air compressor for that um, I mean, lots of places have or, or shop air. I guess if you have compressed air in the building, you can just plug it into the, the existing that you have. But if you don't have that, then yet yeah, you need a compressor, which is about 
800 to 900 pounds depending on where you're buying it from for someone like a jeweler okay so it's not not a massive addition but then that you know it's, you can get a good quality compressor that will last and last and last for that yeah cool um i think i've asked you a lot of stuff um where are you seeing like your social media strategy going now are you paying more attention to like the podcast and the lives or do you see like value in other areas of things that you're doing or is it a whole ecosystem that you're building i don't i don't think it's changed really i mean i know our brand name has changed but if anything it's just kind of aligned what we were already doing content and education wise with what styles do in the us anyway um so obviously we do focus a lot on education that's our biggest thing so you know the podcast the lives um sort of tips and tricks on our socials is one of our biggest things but you know we're always open to if people have things that they want from us or ideas we're always open to hear them and yeah beth them um, who does all of our social content does a really great job of making all the you know fun reels that you know are great for everybody else so I'd, yeah we haven't really changed our strategy as much as we have just kind of aligned all of our missions mm. together i'd say it's, think... it all comes sorry i'll say, say... It, all... <laughs> it all comes <laughs> <sorry> to... <laughs> i say it all comes down to how does the how do our customers want to be educated? Some want short form, some want long form, some want this platform, some want that platform. So we uh, try and have a good enough skill set between the marketing department here to make sure that if a customers if customers are on there and they want to be educated on TikTok, then we need it's it's up to what the customer wants, not necessarily what platforms we prefer personally. Yeah. We need to make sure that we're coming to them. Um, because you know, we've got to be making the first steps when it comes to providing education and information about heat printing. Yeah, we yeah. cover all bases, don't we? I think you definitely do. Um, there's, I was just saying that I think the US just want to be able to like say that your content's a bit like they can just use that now. So they're like, oh, they're the same <laughs> name. They're just like, oh, you guys change your name so that we can use your content. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of a really fun uh challenge for us to if you ever wanted to do it in the future okay it would be like screen printer versus heat printer yeah you just both get the same image and you just gotta like print the hundred shirts or whatever it is and it's just like who could do it quickest and best and yeah that'd be really funny oh that'd be brilliant if you you really run out of stuff to do (laughs) (laughs) that sounds good the challenge yeah no thank you so much um i think we've um rounded down everyone's Everyone's aware now, hopefully, that yeah. the, the name has changed, but the people are the same and the Absolutely. production are the same as well. Um, oh, so one more one more thing, because I literally just remembered it. Uh, do you know how puff printing is becoming really crazy popular again with screen mm-hmm. print? Are you selling like puff transfers a lot now? Or not? To be or... honest, we're not we're not getting loads and loads of there's a few people have asked for it but i wouldn't say that it's been something that we've seen loads of it's something we're keeping an eye on but it's not something that a mass amount of customers have come to us um with as yet so we used to we used to loads of it back in the day um but it's not been um i've seen it on high street but i would say that in terms of like because we work with so many customers they're just doing sort of corporate and workwear it's not something that's bled into that yet Okay. It's yeah, it's probably just that I deal with a lot of streetwear people and that every other word is puff and high build. So yeah. I can do the high build transfers cut mm-hmm. out and they look epic. So yeah. okay. That was just one little thing that I I'd be annoyed at myself if I didn't ask you in a second. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, guys. I'll let our you pleasure. thanks for having us. Crack on, but I really appreciate it. Oh, Ooh. our pleasure. Okay, I'll see you in a bit. All right, see ya. Bye. Bye guys. Hey.